you know, I'm, I'm in this position where like, what do we want to do now? Right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Cause a lot of entrepreneurs in our first build, we just kind of like fell into something. It was like the thing that was closest. We knew it, we're good at it. And we kind of just fell into it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I love this episode. Cause I want, I want you thinking like in the next season of business, cause I promise you, you're not going to do want to do what you're doing now forever. Yeah. Like you're going to hit this like seven, 10, 15 year, maybe it's three years. A lot of entrepreneurs, it's one year. You're like, every year I want to do something new, right? (laughs) Then you're like, what do I want to do next? This is how you think about it, right? So high value customers. Okay, so what's the value of a customer? Well, I'll give you an example. Lady Boss, the average lifetime value of a customer was about $360, okay? So in order to make, let's just call it a million dollars in revenue, I need a lot more customers than if, let's say, my value of a customer was a million dollars. Right. Right? So- So just how many buying units do you need to hit a million dollars, right? Like there's a way to measure it. Welcome to Big Business Mistakes, hosted by Brandon and Kaylin Poulin. Here the most successful entrepreneurs tell jaw-dropping stories and lessons behind their biggest business mistakes so that you don't make them. Ditch the fake highlight reel and get the raw truths and golden lessons of what it actually takes to scale your business from those who have done it. This is Big Business Mistakes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Business Mistakes show. I'm your host, Brandon Poulin, and this is my beautiful co-host, Kaylin Poulin. Yeah, stoked to be with you guys today. We got a great show lined up. Yeah, we do. I'm fired up, guys. It's gonna, we're going to be talking about the elements of a perfect business model today. Ooh, sounds spicy. I need to put a disclaimer right now. <laughs> There's no such thing as a perfect business model. Yeah, but if there was, yeah, if there was, we're going to talk about the elements that make it up, right? Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's kind of cool. This today we're going to talk about the elements of a perfect business model, and also. It's kind of like a announcement for us, like oh, a big change. Oh, an announcement? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's an announcement for us. It's a big change in our our focus and I guess an addition to our focus, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm just excited to share with you guys what we've been up to mm-hmm. and all that. So let's oh, just- why we're up to it. Like, like, this is why we're up to it. Yeah. And so, you know? so basically over the past year, mm-hmm. right? Over the past year, we've been working with dozens of- seven and eight figure companies, consulting with them, yeah. partnering with them, helping them grow, helping founder led companies scale. And it's been a lot of fun and we're still doing it and it's going amazing and people and are getting amazing. wins. And yeah. like, and we love them. I love all of our clients and yeah. partners. Like it's just been so crazy to me that I can spend, you know, a small amount of time in, in reality and make such a big impact. Right. And it's yeah. not because I'm great. It's just because of what we've done in our experience. Yeah. Right. It's and, because of when we weren't great too, you know, like, yeah. don't, do, don't do this. Yeah. We and, tried that. And so it's like, Oh wait, like let's avoid that mistake. And so yeah. just every single call, I, I love that. And what's kind of been cool for me is, you know, being more on the outside of the business versus like building mm-hmm. has been really interesting because I've spent the last 10 years building, right? Yeah. Both of us, we've we spent the last 10 years in it, building it, right? Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, it was, it's been really hard for me. Yeah. It's kind of, I, sounds I, weird. I thought it was funny you used the word interesting because I was like, that's not the word I would have used. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say it was, it's hard like, for you. you I know? get on, I get on these calls and in these meetings and I'm like, I want to like dig in and like, yeah. let's go do this, you yeah. know? 
Um, you're a builder. A, That's a like lot, what yeah. you do. That's uh, what you're great at is building. Yeah. Like me, it's like marketing sales, like that drive you. It's like building a business. Yeah. That's like your thing. Like model people, the process, yeah. the messaging, let's put it all together and turn it into an assembly line and scale it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like, that's how my brain just works. Like, I don't know. God did it. I don't know. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's been a kind of hard because while I love like seeing the growth, I'm almost like, Oh man, I kind of want to be a part of that. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious. And you most people would take say, over all of them. You most know? people would say, man, I'd love that. I'd love, you just get on and you tell people where to go or what to do and connect them with the right resources, equip them, give them what they need. And then you don't have to actually go do it. That sounds mm -hmm. great. But for me, I'm like, I like that. Yeah. When you're a builder, you're like, yeah. I would just want to get my hands on all of it. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, maybe that's good thing, bad thing. Who knows? It's just the way I'm wired. Right. Yeah. So we've had this opportunity to look at all of these different business models and help all these different companies. And um, we found one, mm -hmm. actually not through consulting, found us. but it kind of found us actually. Um, and so Cody Bugin, who is now our business partner mm -hmm. in a company he founded called Allied and a core focus of us, um, has just become a great friend. We got to know him and his family. And so Allied, uh, I guess the, that's the announcement, right? So we've partnered. <laughs> with Allied mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm the managing partner of Allied now. And that's like, kind of like weird, like I've, you know, like running the business. Right. Yeah. And, um, and just excited to partner with him on, on Allied. So what is Allied? So we take raw land, mm -hmm. right. With development potential. Mm -hmm. And we go through a process of entitlements which gets that land approved to build on, and then we sell it to a, a home builder, right? Yep. Mostly nationals, right? The national yep. home builders. They turn it into a beautiful subdivision. And they build in, yeah, into a subdivision, a community for families to flourish, right? Yeah. And, and so that's the business model, and I, I'm going to get into more of it. But what I want to do today is I want to walk you guys through basically why I picked that business model, and I want to explain the parts of it that, and the components, the elements, right? We talked about the elements of a perfect business model, right? And it's not perfect. It's just, it's a good title though. You got to be yeah. perfect. You know, if, if you know, everyone look at like, there's no such thing. You're like, you're right. But if, if there was to me, this is like, it checks my boxes, right? Yeah. Cause when we were looking like we could go do anything, you know, like we could be a part of any business and it's like, well, start anyone, does it anyone. have all of these things? And so through the process of us finding like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go put our time, you know, effort, energy, everything into this business, it's like, okay, does it check all these boxes? So it's just a thing to think about, like, do you have these boxes checked in your own business? Like, or are you missing some of them? Yeah. And for some of you guys, just be clear, these boxes may not be checked and there's no way to check them because yeah. you're in the business model you're in. Yep. But there's going to be a day where you either decide to move on from that business, you sell it, mm -hmm. you wind it down, you move to the board and you're not operating it anymore. Right. And you're going to be like, what do I want to do next? Mm -hmm. And so these are the factors for me that these are the elements, the elements for me that added up to, I'm going to do this, right? All these, like I had a lot of people hit me up. Hey, you should come be the CEO of this, that. Mm -hmm. And I got this idea. And these are all people I respected. It wasn't yeah. just like BS ideas thrown yeah. at me. It was Big like companies too. Like guys that have done way more than I've done in business that were like, Hey, I want you to come and run this. And I'm just like, ah, like just, it wasn't right. Right. It wasn't like where God wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, why allied and why this land development business model and, 
and all that. And so I want to use that as an example to show you guys these elements. Okay. So, so let's dig in. Okay. So let's go. So the first thing is when you're, when you're thinking about a business model and I think about a business model, a lot like a vehicle, right? Like you guys, you're, you've heard people say like, what vehicle are you in? Yeah. Right. When we started in business, we were in network marketing, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Like I, that's a vehicle, right? You can be a sales rep. You don't have to do any of the other, any of the other functions a business in a box, really. Yeah. You don't have to do any of the other functions of a business. You get like a sales job in a box that has a lot of freedom mm -hmm. is really what it is. Yeah. It's a certain type of vehicle. And then that's where we started. And that vehicle is okay. Right. It was great. It was our training ground. Mm -hmm. And then we, we kind of graduated, if you will, into what was lady boss. And that was our own company. We created our own vehicle and the products we offered, the coaching, the supplements, the digital workout and, uh, and food training programs like that company is a vehicle, right? And so the model of that business is kind of how I think about the vehicle being direct to consumer, right? We sell direct to consumers, CPG, consumer packaged goods. We, yeah. we, we manufactured and distributed consumer packaged goods and, uh, and we did it through direct consumer. That's kind of the model, right? And, uh, and, and, you know, for purposes of defining the model, like I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably move around a little bit on the perfect definition, but ultimately it'll make a lot of sense. So one of the first things to think about is the macro economic, do you have a tailwind or a headwind, mm, right? That's good. Okay. So mm -hmm. what does that mean? So overall, what is the macro condition? Okay. So let me give you an example. So in allied development, right? We basically get land under contract with development potential, get it approved for development and then sell it to a home builder, yep. right? The end user is the home buyer, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So as everybody knows right now, home prices are sky are skyrocketing, yeah, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Why? Well, in 2008, right, all of the prices were overinflated because of bad loans being written, mm -hmm. right? People yep. that were getting loans that should not have been getting loans, they could not afford to pay them. Mm -hmm. All of that activity drove up the prices, the bubble popped, okay? Right. When the bubble popped in 2008, right, the bubble pops, what does the government do? They bailed out the banks, mm -hmm. not the builders. Right. The builders were left holding all this inventory. They were crushed. They got crushed. Yeah. They got their legs chopped Wiped. out. So ever since then, mm -hmm. there has been a underbuilding, right? There, mm -hmm. There's more- Underproduction. There is more housing supply, or excuse me, there is more housing formations of new families than there are new housing units available, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the only way to get more homes is to build them. Right. And the only way to build more homes is to have the land to build them on. And in order to have the land to build them on, it has to be approved for development. Right. Right. That's where Allied comes in. Mm -hmm. So when I say, well, what's the macroeconomic headwind or tailwind? Right. Well, yeah. the tailwind, which is like, this is pushing us. Right. The tailwind is that there is currently, you can Google this, there's Fannie Mae, CNN, all the articles will tell you. Realtor.com. A current deficit, right, of or demand of two to five million homes that do not exist in the U.S. Right, that are needed right that, now. That today. are needed. Yeah, and I can confirm this because I've I've been uh, the managing partner of Allied for you know almost a month now, mm -hmm. and Lennar and Dr. Horton are largest buyers that buy all of our projects. Mm -hmm. Right, they're chomping at the bit yeah. to have lots. They need the land. They're ready to build. Right, mm -hmm. and so that's the macroeconomic tailwind. Right. So let me give you an example for me in like let's say. Um, let's just use Lady Boss for an example, yeah. right? So in, in my opinion, the supplement market, the, the weight loss supplement market is extremely mature market. Right. 
Like yep. if, if, if we were to launch a fat burner in the 1960s, yeah. like <laughs> eat this pill, yeah. it burns fat. Yeah. Everyone's buying it. Yeah. Try doing that right now. Mm-hmm. Right? right. So there's no, there's not necessarily a headwind of, you know, people are all healthy now and don't need weight loss. Right. To me, there's a headwind of market, market maturity, maturity and competition, right? Yep. There's a lot of competition. There's a million supplement right? companies. Yeah. And you can spin up and white label and put pretty uh, put a, some pretty packaging on something, right? And, and it not be even that, be even that great. Mm-hmm. And so to me, like that's a macroeconomic headwind, right? In the sense of there is, there's a lot of competition. It's not something new. Yeah. It's, it's matured. Mm-hmm. You have to be so specific in like your unique mechanism that your products are going to work. And like, I mean, you, you guys have seen this, like this, this stuff's just been around. Right. So, so that's kind of the, the headwind. So also think about like, um, if you're about to get into the, hmm, how, how should I say this? Like, like think if you're, you're Netflix, right. Mm-hmm. And, and they're looking at Blockbuster and Blockbuster is, clearly sitting in a headwind, right? Like no, like people, they thought people wanted to go into the store, but they actually didn't want to go in the store. They just wanted to sit in their house and order the, the show. <laughs> so yeah, they didn't so really Blockbuster have a headwind because the it, internet, that's yeah, their headwind. Yeah. yeah. When the internet came out, it was like, they didn't really have a headwind until like Netflix started putting up boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like the internet became the headwind for Blockbuster. Yeah. Like we could stream. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's just an example. So when you're like, should I do this business? Should I move in this direction? What's the macro headwind or tailwind? That's one consideration. That's one element, right? So now we'll jump to the next one. So um, the next element is what is the value of your customer, right? And so ideally you have a high value customer, mm-hmm. okay? So, you know, I'm, I'm in this position where like, what do we want to do now, right? Yeah. It's kind of crazy because a lot of entrepreneurs in our first build we just kind of like fell into something. It was like the thing that was closest. We knew it, we're good at it. And we kind of just fell into it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I love this episode. Cause I want, I want you thinking like in the next season of business, cause I promise you, you're not going to do want to do what you're doing now forever. Yeah. Like you're going to hit this like seven, 10, 15 year, maybe it's three years. A lot of entrepreneurs, it's one year. You're like every year I want to do something new. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, what do I want to do next? This is how you think about it. Right. So high value customers. Okay. So what's the value of a customer? I'll give you an example. Lady Boss, the average lifetime value of a customer was about $360, okay? So in order to make, let's just call it a million dollars in revenue, I need a lot more customers than if, let's say, my value of a customer was a million dollars. Right. Right? So so just how many buying units do you need to hit a million dollars, right? Like, there's a way to measure it, right? So what's the value of your customers? You know, and that's why I've watched this on digital, right? Especially as clients we've worked with that are selling low ticket and digital. Like it worked five years ago because the ad costs were so cheap, right? Because, because all the social media advertising was very new in 2015, 16, 17, like you could make money with anything, right? Because the ad costs were so cheap and the platform was new, but then marketers ruined it and the masses adopted it. And now it's competitive. So low ticket doesn't work anymore because to get the click, right? The click-through rate of most ads, if they're successful is, you know, 2%, maybe 4%. I looked at one today and ours, that was 4%. I was like, I haven't seen that in a while. So two to 4%, like you're paying for that click, 
right? But like, what's the back end result of that money spent? Like a higher ticket value is a better business model. It just is. Yeah. Right. And so at Allied, our average project, right? Mm-hmm. Average project, that's $2.8 million. Yeah, it's crazy. So one, one like, and, and there's smaller ones, but we don't do the smaller ones because it takes, again, same principle. The same amount of time. The same amount of work to entitle a property that's 10 acres as it does 50 acres. Right. Like it takes the same amount of effort and process. So just again, that law working, like what is the value of a customer, right? And so uh, a better business model, in my opinion, has a higher value customer, right? And so now, now this is where I want to be super clear. I'm not saying if you have a low value customer, like Coca-Cola, it's like, well, the, the product's a dollar, but what do you think their lifetime value is? Mm-hmm. It's probably insane. It's probably thousands of dollars. Yeah. Maybe Once you choose Coke over Pepsi, yeah, like it's like, lifetime. Like e- even if your product doesn't cost a lot, you know, the lifetime value relative. We're, we're talking about lifetime value, not right. just like uh, cost not, not of cost, your right. product. Right. So, so you, you know, or you look at like, like at Lady Boss, it was 360 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And we did great. We had 700,000 customers, right. R- right? When, when we left. And so. It's just like thinking bigger the next time, like right. the next time around, you know, us going through this transition and doing something new. And then it's like, okay, this time around, how do we find a higher value customer? Like right. you start thinking like, okay, instead of, you know, a product being this and a lifetime value being $360, what if the lifetime value was $367,000, right? right? Totally. Just thinking bigger. And so think about it like this. This is how my brain processed this when I was walking through this decision of like, oh, I love this business model. One of the ways, you know, we built a sales team, right? We were selling, uh, we had a, we had a high ticket sales team and a low ticket sales team. Mm -hmm. The low ticket sales team, average ticket was about 340, 350 on the phone, on the phone call. Now at Allied on our capital side, right? So we raise money from investors to fund these projects, right? So, and we pay one of the highest returns of, of really anything I've seen as far as a preferred return, um, which is basically a preferred return in investment means if you invest in, in something, so, you know, you give a hundred dollars into something, mm-hmm. let's use a hundred grand, yeah, right? And there's a 20, 20% preferred return. That just means that we hand you back $120,000 before we ever make any profit distributions, right? Yeah. So for example, on our investment side where we raise money and we, you know, pay a return to investors, one phone call, right? Our minimum investment is a hundred grand. So a hundred thousand dollar transaction right now, that's not revenue, but just, just the, the volume or the value of a customer or a phone call or the time spent, right? A hundred grand on one phone call versus hundred grand on one phone call versus $350 on another phone call. Yeah. Right. In a different business model. Yep. It's on just the like, same phone call. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm like, oh, we only need like a 10th of the people to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I'll get, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm spilling my elements here as I go. Um, <laughs> you always do that. You always I'm like, it's it. all blended together. Yeah. I got my list it's here. It's the only like, time you don't go in order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm a little, you know, my ears are still ringing from the Morgan Wallen concert last night. Yeah. Like, my voice is like, like gone. we got home and I was like, 
<laughs> we laid down the pillow and Caitlin's like, are your ears ringing? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I can feel my heart beating in my freaking eardrums. It's like, it was like all the other, like, uh, the intro acts were like perfect volume. Yeah. Morgan Wallen came on and it was yeah. like my ears started bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Turn it all the way up. Yeah. Um, I don't remember where it was. Okay. So, um, the high value customers, right? I think you guys get the point. So if you get to pick, it's, it's probably better. Right. And so a lot of people say, Hey, if you want to make a lot of money, like sell something more expensive, mm-hmm. right? Or if you want to, like, you've been thinking about it as an addition to what you're doing now, right? You've been like, oh, I could do high ticket or I could do a higher thing or I could do a higher tier. Like, maybe that's a conversation to think about, you know, like, okay, one phone call to have a higher ticket person, you know, five phone calls to get that higher ticket or like, yeah, thousands to get. Well, it's a good point too. Like I was just on a call last week and it was like, Hey, we've got all these leads that don't buy our 10,000 or $25,000 thing. Could we, should we make a cheaper thing? And I'm like, Oh, it sounds good in theory, Mm -hmm. right? These are like education companies selling business education or health education. And it's like, sounds really good in theory to be like, Oh yeah, let's just capitalize on that. The reality is now you're on the phone, you're giving your salesperson a, a, like a lower option. You're making the value of the phone call. Mm -hmm. The revenue per call lower. Yep. And then you're like giving them a backdoor of an easier sale. Right. And now you're effectively lowering the 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 return, the revenue per call, the yeah. the value of the call. And and so most of the time Well, also now you're having to up customer support because now you have all these low ticket people and you're upping customer support because now you're having to field so much more people than your handful of people in your high ticket. And now it's like the lower ticket people are more of the problem and all the yeah. time and energy end up in the lower ticket people instead of just going and getting one more high ticket. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, even in customer service volume. Right. Now we need 10 customer service people because we have all these low ticket people. So we go from having one or two customer support people for a handful of high tickets to now like needing 10 customer support people that are having to be email back and forth, low ticket people all the time that they can't get into their course. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So that's another factor, right? Higher value customer, less customers needed to achieve revenue. The other impacts of that are, well, now you need less support reps. Yep. I mean, now it's like, I mean, I've seen an AI tool with customer support that could have probably got rid of half of our support team. Mm-hmm. Like, not like I you know, want to get rid of people, but just efficient, yeah. efficiency wise, like that's, that's kind of wild. Right. Um, so, so that's a big one. All right. Next element. Whew. That was like a, that was like a web <laughs> of an element right there. Next element. So barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. This is a really interesting one. And this actually leads to why I partnered with somebody instead of just doing it on my own. Mm. right? Because a lot of people like, like, it's funny because I, I told Cody, I was like, dude, I'm the guy, I'm the guy that could go get your course and I could do your business model. Like I yeah. could, I could figure it out and build it myself. Right. Mm. But then, then here's, here's the thing, right? So a, a perfect business model, right? Or let's call it a stronger element of a better business model is a higher barrier to entry. Okay. Higher barrier to entry. Break it down for me. Okay. So like, how hard is it to get in that business? So I've mm-hmm. got a friend. Um, in fact, his daughter, we're going to their wedding. Cause I grew up like his son is like my best friend growing up. Mm-hmm. We're going to a wedding is it tomorrow? tomorrow. We're going to a wedding tomorrow. And, and so anyway, so that friend, his company processes steel. Yeah. Okay. High barrier okay. to entry for so sure. Whole, guy <laughs> absolutely obliterates it. Yeah. 
like, I don't know how much he's worth or how much he makes, but I have a pretty good idea and it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, obliterates it. I know that one of the steel processing machines costs millions of dollars. So now you're like, okay, how do I get into the steel processing business, right? It's like, you have to have millions of dollars just to buy the piece of equipment, mm-hmm. let alone the rest of the business model, just, just to be able to like execute on the fulfillment. Yeah, not even, or the facility, high, you know? <laughs> not even talking about the facility. High barrier to entry, okay? So guess what that means? Less competition. There's less people competing against you because it's harder to get into, yep. right? And so for me, we're looking at Allied and I'm like, Barrier to entry, if you've seen, so number one, there's a 30-hour course, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I really love this business model, but do I want do I want to go through this 30-hour course and build from scratch or take what Cody has done brilliantly over 20 years mm-hmm. and all the experience of that, and we could make a much bigger pie together than I would be able to do on my own much faster, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so, but the point I want to make about barrier to entry is like, if it's easy to get in and just start and do it, spin up a website, spin up a funnel, white label a fat burner, burner, spin up a coaching program. Like there's more competition because the barrier to entry is lower period. Right. And so that's where I'm like, we just, we need to be creative and humble ourselves as entrepreneurs. And for me, it was like, man, I'm going to like partner with somebody. Mm. Right. Like that's not your wifey. Yeah, like like we've always been partnered. Yeah. Right. But we're we're married, yeah, yeah. you know, since day one. But with somebody else, I'm like, I'm I'm not used to doing that. Right. And uh in fact, um our buddy Zach, who we uh basically he's the guy that allowed us to have the studio here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, same thing, like we partnered with Zach because he's already got a place and we're like, yeah. hey dude, like we'll help build out the studio, let's share it, because you yeah. don't need it all yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, like he's in a business partnership and the combination together, the, the, the sum of the two of them is greater than their parts individually. Right. Could ever be. Right. And, um, so anyway, I'm like bouncing back and forth between this partnership concept and, you know, barrier to entry. I think they're both kind of. Yeah. But if it's a high barrier to entry, like who's the person that you need to bring your skill set to that says my skill set complements your skill set. Like Cody is very much like me. Like he is like the sales, the deals, like, you know, he's like the expert in land development. You know, that's like what he's great and amazing at. And then you bring your skill set to the table that just makes the pie yeah. bigger because now he can focus on what he is amazing at and you can focus on what you're amazing at. And it just, the tides yeah. raise I'm faster. Like, I'm like, bro, we need 50 people to do a billion dollars in sales. <laughs> I'm like, I had 180 to do about $45 million in sales. Yeah. That's like a whole different ball. Talking game. about staff. Yeah. Talking about staff. Yeah. Staff. Correct. Yeah. Like that's a, just a different level of complexity and people. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like the funnels that we need to do this, how we're going to like, it's we need ama- like two funnels. We don't it's, need 80. It's so cool. We're doing like, cause there's a landowners and then there's the home builders, which we already have relationship with all of them. And then there's the investors. Right. Right. And it's like the offer so good. I'm mm-hmm. like, wait, we can pay a 20 Well, it's so good. You were an investor in it before yeah. any of these conversations, before you yeah. even really knew Cody at all. Yep. Like you heard about the investment, which was like, that's just what, that's, yeah. it sounds too good to be it true. Did. I was it like, was it. it sounds <laughs> too good to be true. 20 prep, who's doing that? But then I understood the business model and I'm like, oh, like it's the barrier to entry is high because 
people don't want to learn how to deal with government entitlements. Yeah. They have to go. There's engineers, there's lawyers, there's consultants in these local jurisdictions. Like you got to grease wheels. There's a lot of steps to it. It takes 12 to 18 months to get done. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, that's why we raise capital. Right. But like there's a two and a half million dollar payday at the end of every deal. And there's a macroeconomic tailwind and a supply problem that we're solving. It's like, Barrier to entry is high. It's hard to like get in to do this. It's it's like big and scary. You're like, wait, I'm gonna go buy a four million dollar piece of land. Like, it's it's a high barrier to entry, right? Which means there's less competition. And what we've realized is that the builders don't even want to do the entitlement stuff. Right. They, they just want to build homes. They yeah. make they make way more profit building homes. That's their specialty. And we've realized that there there aren't any big players doing what we're doing that have scaled because they're just guys doing it in their local market like Cody. Mm -hmm. And now there's this vision to scale. Mm -hmm. That's what makes the opportunity so exciting. Right. Is because the barrier entry is high. Guys are doing it on their own solo guys making a couple million bucks a year happy. Mm -hmm. Right. Where I'm coming in and I'm like, dude, scaling this, I had 700,000 customers, all this complexity and all these different product lines and all these different things going on to get it to 50 million. And I'm like, we need we need a third of that to get it to a billion. And I'm like, that's exciting, right? And it right. has to do with barrier to entry. It has to do with the value of the customer, right? The opportunity itself. But but like, you know, so what's the skill set you have? Like there may, may be a guy who's got a brick and mortar business model or a real estate business model or something that needs your digital acumen that you could go in and partner with, right? Like you you might be an agency owner on here right now and there's a client you have that, like probably has way more potential and upside and like like growth potential than your agency if you just like partnered with them and grew it mm -hmm. and like focused on it. Like that could exist right now, you know, but but we're like in our own box in our own universe. Yeah, sometimes. my business. Like yeah. Grow my business, right? Yeah. So kind of interesting to think about, right? Um, so the next one, okay. Another element of a great business model. I'm I'm backpedaling from perfect because I'm such an accurate person. I don't want to <laughs> be like, but um, the the next one for me is um, high gross margins, right? Or high gross pro profit per unit. Okay, so what, what's gross margins, right? Gross margins is you have revenue, you subtract cost of goods sold. Okay, so like how much does it cost to to fulfill on your product, right? So in 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 merchandise or physical goods, it's like, okay, if, you know, if I buy something for, if I sell something for a hundred dollars and it costs me $20 to make, I make $80, which is 80% gross margins, 80% gross profit. Right. So that's a really important key. Okay. Like this is why education is a great business because it has high gross margins. It's a hundred percent. Right. I mean, it's like you sell a login, right. You don't have to fulfill anything. There's no crazy service. So I kind of said this both ways, high gross margins or high gross profit per unit. Because I would say, okay, an allied in the land development world, like our gross profit is 50%, right? Which actually sucks as a percentage. But as a dollar figure, yeah, it's huge. It's two and a half million, 2.8 million per unit, mm -hmm. right? Versus... But if you're in an e-commerce and you sell a t-shirt for $100 and it costs you $50 to make, like that's really bad. Like you don't have enough margin, right? But the, the gross profit per unit, mm -hmm. okay? So when we're thinking about business models, like 
like having high margins is important because you got to think like there's all the other functions. You got to have overhead. Like you're going to have to pay salaries in your staff. That's percentage off of that. So you start with a hundred, hundred percent, twenty percent eaten up by the cost of goods sold, and then you're going to have advertising acquisition costs, which is going to be like fifteen to twenty percent. So now you're at sixty. Then you're going to have, you're going to have your overhead, right? Maybe that's ten to twenty percent. Then you're at forty, and then you're going to have your sales, the cost of selling, and whether you're going to pay a sales team. Right, maybe that's another ten percent. So you see how like the pie just gets smaller. Yeah. So having high gross margins in the beginning is critical. Yeah, I want right? a big pie. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Kind, forgive me. You started kind, talking about pies. What kind of know? pie? Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. Wow, pumpkin pie smells, smells good. Well, it is. It is almost. It's fall. You know. Yeah, that does sound pretty good.